If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. And a very, very warm welcome to you. And yes, it's that wonderful time of the month when we get together and chat to Carrie Goodwin from Life is a Garden. And oh, Life is you. a Garden. And I think over yes. lockdown, life proved for many people to be all about their garden. Did you find oh, that, Carrie? We were being so amazingly blessed because people did find their gardens. I think that, you know, in the hustle and bustle of life, we kind of, our garden was there, but we never really got time to enjoy it or we were too busy. And if it was, you know, we, it just... It didn't seem that people loved gardening the way they do now or loved maybe their plants mm. as much as they do. But then when they were locked down and, you know, the continuing months after that, they actually found that plants are living and they could relate to them and they could see how they grow. And I mean, so many people started veggie gardens, which because they couldn't get shops, they didn't mm. want to go to the shops. So uh, we had a, a rush on vegetables and then fruit trees because now everybody wants to grow their own. But then it actually became the beauty of your garden. So what flowers could I plant that make me going to, you know, I'm happy to be at home now. And how can I enjoy my garden the best? And mm. then it was your garden showing off your personality. And oh, I was going to say the nursery industry is smiling. We I'm are sure. very, very happy, not only because of the lovely customers that we've got to meet over these last few months, but also also the rain that we're having. Oh, the rain has been fantastic. I love it. Except, of course, it knocks all of the jacaranda blooms down into the garden <laughs> and it's just a mess the whole time, especially if you live underneath one and then you walk out and you slide. <laughs> so watch out if you live under a jacaranda tree and you're not going to fall on your bum. But yeah. it is what you're saying. I mean, like I, my garden has always been you know chaos but it works and my vegetable garden obviously became my herb garden should I say more so than my vegetable garden is has always been a big thing for me but I planted out a lot of bulbs as well the winter bulbs and of course oh. everybody now wants I want to plant lilies in my garden I'm like well you're a bit late for that okay yes. you should have done that in in winter but it's fine now you can go out and put in your amaryllis or you can put in a whole bunch of different stuff zephyranthus dahlias are fantastic although just make sure you've got well-draining soil because with the amount of rain that we're having and may still have, they might go a bit oh, off-rot. Oh, okay. That's one thing. But I look out my garden. First of all, I had all my amaryllis, the, the fireworks, <gasps> bright red. Yes. Now I've got all the yellows and oranges of the lilies. Yes, and then even when you go yellows and oranges, you've got the, you know, your seeded varieties like your marigolds, if yes. we talk about bedding plants. And then the, um, what Life as a Garden was talking about was the Alstroemeria. Oh, they're looking fantastic at the moment. The Inca lilies. Yes. Oh, my goodness me. I want to say I've never seen so many colors, and I'm not a person for pastel colors. I quite like the bold and in mm -hmm. your face. But they've got beautiful, like, creams and whites and pinks, and I'm like, oh, oh. This is very, very peaceful mm. in a garden compared to the fireworks that might be the oranges and yellows and brightness that come from, which are also found in Alstroemeria as well. Yes. And you know, the other one that I, is doing so amazingly well is cannas. People, a lot of people don't like cannas, I think because they become a bit scruffy and that's one of the problems. The yeah. leaves get torn and they go a bit brown, but I have seen some wonderful ones, but the, the ones with the dark purple leaves and the bright red flower yes. up against a white wall. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that is beautiful. Well, we had customers and they were comparing some chairs that we have in the nursery and they were like, oh, these are such 1960 chairs. And then when I went to go and look around the nursery and then I saw the cannas, I thought, oh, 
these candles are like 1960s plants. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of go with the chairs and they're bright and bold in colors. And, and I thought maybe it's time like for a yesteryear, you know, if you have that little place in your garden, which makes you think of maybe your grandparents or mm. times long ago, then you could have this beautiful chair and the bright candles. And they're pretty hardy, which is quite nice as well. They're a bit mm. of a forgiving plant because I was speaking to somebody this morning and I was saying, oh, no, I think you're killing your plant with too much TLC. He says, yeah, that could be it. I said, you need to, some plants just need neglect to thrive. And it sounds like an oxymoron, but actually it's very true. I think sometimes we just love our plants so much that we give them too much water or we overfeed them. Mm. And all they're trying to do is say, just no, just let me be. Let me, me alone. show you that I can do it all by myself. Yes, <laughs> like I'm teenagers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> But it would be quite interesting to have, like, I mean, imagine planting a, a 50s garden yeah. or a 60s garden. Or definitely for the 2000s, it's going to be lots of succulents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, I mean, even the succulents, the different varieties, because I think because we've been having such a lovely season, the growers are realizing that people are looking for different things. You know, mm. they don't only want the old, old-fashioned old plants now, they want something new. And, uh, you know, the senecio, the string of beads? Yes. So now you get a string of dolphins and a string of big beads and a and string, string of little bananas. beads. And then, yeah, I'm thinking, there's just too many strings here. <laughs> you know, But all of them look amazing in hanging bowls, whether it's inside your house, mm. outside your house. We have our succulent growers growing them as well as our indoor plant growers growing them. And I think that's quite a, when I first saw it, I was like, this is not a succulent, but actually it is a succulent and it does really nicely in both conditions. So the plants, again, are quite forgiving mm. and you just have to acclimatize them to the garden that they're in. Did you find that you had a lot of people wanting to buy indoor plants? In fact, has it gone up in the indoor plant sales compared to previous yeah. years? Yeah, this would have been probably one of our best indoor plant sales years because I think people were converting their homes into offices. Mm. And so if you're stuck in the same space all the time, you just want something to make it different. And then also because I think maybe within your offices, you know, maybe people provided plants there and now it's in your home and you don't want to be surrounded by your computer and then your TV and all these screens that we have without reducing some of the radiation that might come from it. Mm -hmm. Whereas indoor plants provide a buffer for that. And so we, we have, we've sold, I mean, when I look at the indoor plants growers list, some of them now I'm thinking, my goodness, what are we going to buy? It's just all sold out. Um, and so they just had an incredibly bumper season. And lots of lovely, again, old-fashioned plants, you know, like those ficus robusta, mm -hmm. which is definitely a they are 50s, robust. 60s plant. <laughs> I've had <laughs> one from, I think I've told you about it, I bought it in 1984. It's still in the same pot and it's still going strong and it's in my daughter's bedroom. Yeah, but and now, you know, you've got black-leafed ones and mm -hmm. variegated pink-leafed ones and variegated cream ones. And then the traditional just plain green. So you've got lots of variety that you can choose for your indoor plants. The one that um, Life is a Garden is talking about this month, which for me is also, again, I want to say an old-fashioned plant, is the croton. The croton, the one with the variegated foliage and stuff. But I mean, yes. those are, I always think of those as being an outdoor plant. I mean, I know definitely down on the south coast or yes. Natal, you see them out in the gardens and adding splashes of color when there's no flowers. Yeah. So in Gauteng and in your cooler climates in the winter, then you would have them as your indoor plants. And again, they're also croton banana because it's got that leaf that looks like a banana and it's bright yellow with the green streaks in it. Mm -hmm. And then you've got croton petra, which has got a beautiful big leaf, um, you know, traditional leaf shaped. But then it's not green at all. It's also got oranges and yellows in it. And so they, they are plants that kind of you want to put in your home because they're going to just add so much excitement and liveliness because um, I think some people don't 
always want a green plant in their home. Mm. And sometimes they have those spaces which are a little bit darker. And we say to them, you know, the only thing you can put there is a green plant and it's never going to flower. Yeah. And then they'll say, but I just need something else. And so the croton would be incredible for that because there's just so many different varieties and so many different colors. And I mean, when we're talking indoor plants, the one that I also think is interesting because plants tell you if they're happy or not. So I have a customer, uh, not a customer, a friend's mom, and she's got the antherinum. Yes. Antherinum, yeah. And she's had it for many, many years, and it looks incredible. And I've had mine for two years, and it really doesn't look incredible anymore. And you I shouldn't be telling people that. <laughs> no, but <laughs> I can't get it to flower the same color. So my flowers go green. Mm -hmm. And then I've been trying to figure it out why. And it's because I've put it somewhere that's too dark in my house. So now I'm moving it slowly to where it gets a bit more light. And the flowers are slowly starting to go back to their green, well, green and white mm. is what the color that they're mm. supposed to be. And I thought, even me, who's been in the industry for so long, the plant is still telling me what it wants and not what I want to do with it. And I thought, sure, your plants do talk to you. <laughs> this is the thing. I mean, so many people think, oh, they'll just go and buy plants and then they to keep them inside. And then they go and put them on a windowsill where it gets boiling hot sun during the day and then they can't understand why it's not doing very well. But I think there is a, a trend for people to go for foliage-coloured plants mm -hmm. rather than plants that are going to be flowering, especially, as you said, when it comes to indoors because not very many plants will actually flower inside. Mm. Um, and one that I love, of course, is coleus. And I think most people get confused between crotons and coleus. Yes, yeah. Um, but I mean, would you be able to keep coleus indoors as well? Not so much. The leaves are a little bit softer, but now what they've done with the coleus, which is amazing, is we used it originally as a replacement for the impatience when mm -hmm. you know they had the um, downy mildew, and now they've got sun coleus. So you've got coleus with these oh, beautiful. Oh really? Like they brought out sun patience as yes. well? Oh, okay. So you've got you, coleus comes in henna colors, lime mm. greens, dark purples, dark purples with the green in it, and. So many different colors, but now you've got them for the shade, for the sun, as perennials, as bedding plants. That's what I was going to ask, because somebody asked me the other day, mm. but surely a coleus is actually an annual. And I said, I don't think so, because I just mine mm. keeps coming back. Maybe it just goes dormant in winter and then pops out again. Yeah, so I was going to say mine did as well. So traditionally, they were basically just as bedding plants. Mm. And in the wintertime, especially in Gauteng and your colder regions, they would have died. But now they seem to actually last longer and you get much taller ones. You know, our bedding plant ones you didn't used to grow much bigger than 20 centimeters. Mm -hmm. Now you get coleus that are, you know, put in a pot or something like that. And they probably grow up to 40, 50 centimeters at least. And they're just amazing. Mm. I mean, and I think the contrast, if you're looking for color with foliage, you know, when you put coleuses with maybe something that's got a gray leaf, like Stachelsnata, the lamb's ear. Yes. Oh, what's that other old one? Dusty Miller. Yes. Cineraria. Yeah. You know, that grey and then the red or the lime. Oh, it's so beautiful. I like surrounding a dark purple agapanthus with the lime green coleus. Oh, wow. Works N really well. Yeah. Now I was going to say you're getting onto what the uh, life as a garden was <laughs> talking about as We're well. Gonna, we'll leave the shady <laughs> ladies away for yes. a moment and get back into the sunny spots in the garden. Agapanthus. Mm. I don't care what anybody says. And I know, I mean, it is without a shadow of a doubt. Okay. I mean, obviously the other one would be in the shade your favorite one outdoors in the shade 
Outdoors in the shade, azalea. No. <laughs> South African plant. A South African plant. Plectranthus. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness, I almost <laughs> failed that taste. <laughs> I said Plectranthus, obviously. <laughs> yes. Indigenous, lovely for the shade. But Agapanthus are without a shadow of doubt just the best plant in the world ever. Yeah. And I think the fact that there's actually so many colors now. Mm. Like my brother said to me yesterday, he says, Cass, all we want is the traditional light blue or Sky blue colored acopanthus. We don't want any fancy colors. And I was like, I can't find that one. I can find purple. I can find purple with dark purple, light purple, lilac, blue and white, you know, the twister ones. Yes. I can find dark Black and navy blue, blue yeah. all these colors. He says, I just want the old fashioned one. I'm like, okay, I'll keep trying looking. Just a straight <laughs> aggie. Yes. And I think because it's so versatile, mm. you know, I think in the cards, um, Andy DeVette, he's probably trying to breed a pink one. And I he think is. he's probably very close to getting it. And I know we, earlier in the year he released a new purple one. I can't think what its name was, but Purple Rain or something like that. And it's just beautiful, beautiful. But there's just every shade of blue, purple, white that you could come across in Agapanthus and size. Yes, and size, because I mean, you get the ones which are as tall as me and you get the little ones which you can put in the front of your bed as well, the Tom yeah. Thumbs and what's the blue one called? The bingos are quite small, yeah. and then you get the double diamonds, which are yes. also short ones. And oh, the no, white they're all fantastic, and, I must say. Yeah. And what's amazing with them is that they're indigenous, mm -hmm. very water-wise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the winter, there's just those beautiful green foliage. So they just keep on giving. And what's surprising for me is you were talking about how well they do in the sun, obviously. But a lot of people plant them under trees and on pavements. Yep. And they actually still look incredible. Mine are fabulous out in the back garden. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I think we always think of one friend. She always used to recommend a hebe as a present. If you're giving somebody a plant, she liked giving hebes because she thought they were indestructible as a plant. And I'm thinking actually an agapanthus as a gift is probably even more indestructible and more rewarding yeah. because you could, if you wanted to, even cut the flowers off and bring them in in your house to use in a vase. And, and if you leave them there, then the seed heads look fantastic. Yeah. And you can divide them and share with your friends. Exactly. So they are the ultimate plant, actually. Yeah. I think. There's nothing. Yeah. I've said it before. <laughs> I'll say it again. As far as Alan Titchmarsh is concerned, it's sex on stalks. <laughs> They you just are. embarrass me. <laughs> Never going to be able to look at an agapanthus again. <laughs> Aggie's panties, no. But uh, the, the, is the, I find my garden goes through phases in, of colours in the garden. It, mm. I, you know, it's a very basic green garden, but then I'll have reds that come through. Then the yellows will pop out. And mm. then all the blues and the whites start coming through because, of course, that's the coolest kind yes. of colour scheme you need for the heat of south, uh, summer in South Africa, well, not just in South Africa, in Johannesburg yeah. specifically. So the purples are all looking fantastic as well. Well, actually, it's so surprising you say that because on the way here, I was thinking for me, November always seems to be a cool month in the garden. Mm. It is all your blues, your lavenders are all flowering, your agapanthus are starting to flower, your scabiosa are looking amazing. It's all those very peaceful, yeah, cooling colours. And maybe it's because it's one of the hottest months of the year. And that's why we've got that contrast of these plants not making it hotter. They're actually saying, come and be in your garden and enjoy the coolness of it mm -hmm. rather than the explosion of heat that normally comes in our warm colors of spring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just love it. And then we'll go into midsummer. And then that's when the, oh, I've gone blank on the name. Uh, the, when they get those beautiful red and pastely pink colored flowers. Pride of India. 
Oh, yes, those are coming. Yes. We are waiting. But that, that's <laughs> then you get that breath. somnolent kind of mm. quiet time through the garden as well. Yeah. But purple is one of those colors. It's kind of, it is vibrant, but it is a cool color. Mm. And there's so many different varieties of things. I always yeah. wait for the convolvulus blew my <gasps> mind as well, which is just fantastic. Yeah. But even the traditional convolvulus, I mean, we've got it in a flower bed at the nursery. And there's a, a customer's garden that I drive past everywhere, every time on the way to work. And she's put it on her pavement. And it's just a mass of purple flowers mm. permanently. And it's as this, almost as the sun is rising. So the flowers are opening and at the end of the day, then they close again. I think that is gorgeous. Yeah, you've got to yeah. color, color scheme your garden. Yeah, definitely. Okay, we were talking earlier about veggie gardens as well. So mm. what is on the menu? Nom, <laughs> nom, nom. <laughs> Yay, one vegetable that I actually do enjoy <laughs> in this month, which is great. What it could be. <laughs> and it's beetroot. Okay. Yeah, so actually I love beetroot. It's one of my favorite, favorite plants to eat. And now that I know I can eat the leaves in a salad as well, um, it's or quite have a it bonus. Like yeah, <laughs> maybe not. I, okay, I've told you, add some potato to it, a teaspoonful of peanut butter, you will love it. Okay. Onions, fry your onions and garlic, <laughs> do the leaves, put some potato, boiled potato. So I couldn't add the tin caramel that I've got in the car on the seat next to me with it instead. <laughs> if you dry the leaves out and maybe cover them in chocolate, and I mean, that, that yeah, might be a way of doing it. more my style. It. Yeah, yeah, I don't know so much. Eh? <laughs> but the beetroot is, it grows so easily. Mm. You know, we've got the um, golden one as well now, if you worry about the staining. But then also when I was reading about it for Life as a Garden, they were saying that it's not a huge feeder because actually if you give it too much food mm. or too much water, you're just producing leaves. Yes. So again, it's one of those plants that's actually probably going to do better with a little bit of neglect because you want the root itself to start growing deeper and get bigger. So you want to water it less frequently but for longer to get it to grow deeper. And then, yeah, you can use it as as you suggested, <laughs> well, all those different things. I like them roasted. I like them just sliced when they've been boiled. I think oh, beetroot, and but the best is making dragon's blood. <laughs> you juice it and you put ginger in it and a little bit of apple juice. You'd like it, I promise oh, you. It's okay. very earthy. It's really good for you as well. Yeah, doesn't she's looking that, at me like I'm mad. Doesn't that change the color of your urine, though? And that's not maybe a healthy thing. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. But Next the, you'll be saying <laughs> we shouldn't be eating asparagus. I mean, really. <laughs> Actually, I quite like asparagus too, but that one is quite challenging to grow, I think. It, it is. So, but, And it does taste best when you've grown it and you pick it out of the ground straight away and eat it raw. <gasps> that is the best. Wow. Absolutely the best. Don't even bother cooking it. You eat it straight, snap it out the ground. It is fantastic. But yes, growing it is, is a trial. We've been trying for a couple of years, but you have to give it at least three years to while you're growing it to, grow. it to actually get it to, to produce enough sta stalks. Those things. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel that's a challenge though. Mm. I, I like the idea of trying to grow asparagus that I could eat fresh and yeah. raw. I'm well, gonna... This is the thing. I mean, people <laughs> say to me, what do you grow in your garden? And I say anything that is actually easy to grow because mm. they're all, I, I don't want any finicky messing about and this, that, and the other. I want to grow something which grows relatively fast. That's why I've given up on potatoes. They take forever and it's just not worth it. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. Sweet potatoes. Yes. They grow like weeds. It's fantastic. But ordinary potatoes, one does not have time for that. Sorry. <laughs> I've still got my potatoes in a pot that I've been growing since yeah, June or July. <laughs> I had mine in for like eight months and nothing happened. And yeah. I just thought, no, the hell with this. So anything which grows quickly doesn't need a lot of looking after. 
and is very rewarding. And I mean, that's why I always say to people, have herbs. You can go and pick mm. them up, put them in fresh into your food. It's fantastic. Yeah. But there are a lot of plants that people think that are very finicky and they aren't. And, and they tend to have the problems with them because they spend too much time frittling around with them. And one of yes. those, of course, is roses. Too true. And everybody thinks that roses are so difficult to look after and they're not. Mm. You can just leave them alone. Mine's doing its own thing. I don't think I even pruned them. I did a very light prune <laughs> on my icebergs. Yeah. They are resplendent at the moment. Oh, they are I mean, amazing. But October, November, definitely rose month. But yeah. the, the problem that most people, I'm sure you've been getting coming in, <laughs> what is eating the leaves on my roses? <laughs> and it feels quite early for them, to the bugs to be out. Yeah, it's not Christmas yet, is it? No, Exactly. So it is the rose beetle, mm, Christmas beetle, Christmas beetles, and there's are little those little copper color things which you could tie a string around the leg and let it fly in circles when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah. Did you not do that? No, that sounds like cruelty to animals. <laughs> so not going to happen. And when they when you hold them and they try and buzz like burrow through your fingers to get out again, funny little things. No, I was going to say the worst we do is if we have customers and they don't want to use any pesticides on it, stamp on it. I tell them to put a light near their roses and, and bucket the bucket water. underneath, and then and that to me also feels like cruelty to animals, but it works really well. But then <laughs> people the rose say, beetle. what kind of light must we have outside? Does it need to be a solar light? Can we use a candle? Does it need to be one? What kind of light do you use, and why is it going to go to the light and fall into the bucket of water? I've also given this advice to people. Oh goodness! But they, then the questions come, and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I said, just the customer we had now, as I was on my way here, I, I said to her, just use a torch, even would be fine because yeah. maybe you don't have an outside light in your rose garden so go and put a torch there with a bucket close by and see i'm sure that would work perfectly well too yeah. it doesn't there's no specific light a little bit of um, dishwashing liquid in the water of course yeah just to break the surface so they, f they fall down into the water and they drown yeah but That's otherwise there are pesticides you could go and use if you wanted to at the go and ask your local garden center and they would be able to recommend something as well that might have a longer residual period yeah. Because maybe you don't want to turn on the light all the time. Or but would you use a systemic or a spray? Generally contact. contact so, yeah, not systemics. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we recommend contact sprays because the beetles will come and crawl over the stem or onto the flower or onto the leaf or take a munch. So the contact sprays seem to work the best. And they don't have a long period that they're going to sit on the leaves. And generally, they wouldn't, you know, you're going to spray the leaves and the stem and not mm. the flowers. So they shouldn't have too much effect on any of the bees that are coming in the middle of the day. Like for me, what was amazing with our roses is they were sprayed last week and Ludwigs came and did everything for us. He's fantastic or his team is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then um, it wasn't even like two or three hours later, the bees were already back there yep. looking for pollen. And I thought it meant that they did such a good job. They didn't spray the flowers. The bees looked very happy still. You know, they actually, I want to say, weren't even repelled by the garlic. I was repelled by the garlic <laughs> smelling roses that were I love in the, the smell nursery. Of, that's another <laughs> wonderful purple plant that's going to start looking really fantastic soon, the tilbachia, yes. the wild garlic with the mm. purple. And there's also that beautiful pale pink and the variegated leaves of those. Oh, I get all excited about that. But back to roses, it's interesting because, I mean, mm. Ludwig's has got the rose lover's page on Facebook. Oh, okay. And I love it that people will ask for advice and you've got all these people who are giving advice. And then of course Ludwig goes and gives the advice, but everybody else is still giving advice after that. I'm like, surely you the champion. Just listen to what Ludwig says, okay? Yeah. Don't bother with everybody else saying, oh, it's this. But they, with the, the Christmas beetles, they sit there and they go, well, I never see them. I can't see what's eating. Well, yeah, because they happen at night. Exactly. So you're going to have to get out there with your torch at night and go and find them, okay? Yeah. 
Oh, but it's Lord. lovely. Um, when you talk about Facebook page, one of the most popular ones for Life as a Garden is one that's called Seasonal Gardening. Mm -hmm. And people can post anything they want, any questions there, whether it's for indoor plants, outdoor plants. And I think it's quite a nice group to just enjoy your garden. If you're enjoying your garden and you have questions about it, it's called, it's a seasonal gardening page that was created by Life as a Garden. And it's just called, is it just seasonal, seasonal gardening? Yeah, I think we started it because we wanted to talk about, you know, for, so gardeners re remembered summer, autumn, winter, spring and what should be happening in summer, autumn, winter, spring. Seasonal gardening, South Africa. South Africa, there we go. Yeah. And, um, but actually it's just a lovely page to go and post, you know, I saw this in my neighbor's garden. I don't know what it is. Please can somebody help me? And there's quite a lot of experts on the page as well within yeah. our industry who can help with good advice as well as then gardeners who just have good home remedies, good stories that they want to share. So it's a page that's doing really nicely for gardeners at the moment. There's a, a proliferation of these kind of, I mean, <laughs> yeah. my, my, one of my favorites is Living Seeds. Yes. They've got the, the veggie gardeners and people going on there and asking about ordinary plants and we're like, Okay, this is for vegetable gardeners. <laughs> but then the people will put up things and, and, and it looks quite some fights that kind of originate out of this whole thing about <laughs> like, how do I do this and how do I do that? And what is eating my plants? And, and I mean, Sean is really, Sean Freeman from, yeah, from there, from he's really on the ball as well. So I would suggest that as a fantastic site to go and visit if you are looking for answers to vegetable problems. Vegetables, well. yeah. yeah. When you talk about the vegetables, and actually it makes me think because – Sean was the one who sold the first red maize plant, red yes. popcorn. Yes. And then like, I was reading in the Life as a Garden newsletter, and they were saying about three sisters planting. And I thought, I've never heard of that. And it was a Native American way of planting corn, beans, and your um, squashes. Yes. So you plant your corn, which adds becomes the stem or the… The, the trellis up the which trellis, the thing will grow. Yes, the trellis for the beans. Yeah. And then the squashes provide the shade… For the plants underneath and almost like a ground cover to keep your soil moist and cool. Yeah. I thought that was miraculous. I feel like doing that as well in my garden. It is a, a lovely thing. A friend of mine wanted one of those gardens. She got into the whole kind of Native American shaman, whatever, whatever. And I said, okay, fine, I'll do a garden like this. And we put one together. It was very, very successful. Yeah. But then you need to remember that you need to also find out what you would do in wintertime in that particular garden because your corn and squashes, beans, yeah, they won't be there, they won't be there in, in the winter months. That's another thing is people forgetting. That's why the seasonal gardening thing is actually a nice idea because mm. everybody's like, oh, but I wanted to plant these and why are my broad beans not working now? I'm like, <laughs> wrong, wrong time of year. Yes, yeah. And then I had um, Paige Nick, who's a, a wonderful writer. She's putting up on Living Seeds. My cauliflowers, look how small my cauliflower is. Look at this. I'm like, well, because it's a cool weather plant and we're like in the middle of summer now. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. And so it is one of those things. Why is my cauliflower not doing well? Because it's too hot. Because <laughs> oh, it's a new variety yeah. of small cauliflower. Yes, Miniature baby, everything. <laughs> little mini cauliflowers. You can eat them like a Brussels sprout. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay, yeah. so for all of these wonderful things that Carrie's been telling us about, of course, you can get onto the website, lifeisagarden.co.za. Mm -hmm. and ask all your questions there. And I'm sure yeah. that Carrie would also be happy to field a lot of them. <laughs> Anytime. As I do too. We, we're it's all wonderful. A, a wonderful community of gardeners. Mm. And, the, and I mean, I think that amongst all of the industries, I think the gardeners are the ones that are more prone to helping other people when they have, can't get something right. Yeah, I was going to say, I love our industry. I've been in it for a long time. But to me, we don't have competition. We're all yeah. just friends. So if I can help another nursery or somebody else, a grower, that's what we are, because actually, I just want everyone to garden. Yeah. That's the point. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Everyone has to own a plant of some sorts. 
And if you don't, you're in big trouble with Carrie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I hope I can see you again next month so we can yes, tell people sure. what to be doing and how to look after their garden specifically as well if they're going away. If we're allowed to go away, if we don't go back into lockdown. Oh, please not. I sure. know. My children would be very disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Carrie, thank you so much. Always thank an you absolute for pleasure. Me. And um, I'm sure that Carrie will absolutely back me up on this when I say, go out there, get in your garden, have yeah, fun, yeah. but above all, stay grounded. Bye-bye. For sure. <laughs>